Good morning. Second Sunday in Advent. A little bit of a focus on the location of Christ's birth, Bethlehem. And that kind of steers us toward talking about his location, period. His location around us, his location in our hearts, in our lives, in our everyday life together. The gospel for this morning, it's a little longer than what I'm going to read. I'm just going to share with you the first three verses because there's plenty there. Matthew 3, starting at the first verse. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. I pray that you would open it up to us, bring it into our lives. Help us to cherish what you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. In getting ready for this message this morning, I ran into a little uh, definition for the word preaching. Uh, Our text says, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. Here's uh, that definition. It comes from a favorite commentator uh, friend of mine, if you will, from the 1800s. Preaching in the biblical sense is to announce clearly and distinctly exactly what God orders us to announce in his word. And that was the call of John the Baptist. He came as one born into a family of priests. The way the nation of Israel was set up, there was a family, the tribe of Levi. The Levites was a family of of priests. The men were set aside by God to be priests throughout the history of Israel. And John the Baptist's father was a priest, his father was a priest, and so on all the way back. So John comes as one of those respected uh, and expected to serve as a priest in the, in the nation and to the families of the people of, of Israel. And he shows up in the most unusual manner, doesn't he? We have descriptions of him. And he comes to the wilderness. Well, he didn't show up in the wilderness one day and start preaching this very strong message of repentance because he was mad at people or he was upset with them. And he might very well have been. But he did so because God told him to. In the way of Isaiah, the great prophet, in in the way of Jeremiah, and all the other Old Testament prophets, John comes, really the word we could use, as a herald, as a one who cries out, a, a proclaimer, a preacher of the good news of God's Grace, and he does it in a loud and clear 
voice. You might picture an old movie uh, that depicts uh, a castle with a uh, king and queen inside and, and the king has an order to share. So he sends his herald, his proclaimer out in front of the gates and the herald stands, maybe there's some horns. Uh, notice to the sound booth, here we go. By order of the king, because they didn't have microphones. They didn't have sound systems. They had to yell. They proclaimed in a loud voice. This is John the Baptist coming. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. By order of the king, it's time to be getting ready for the king's appearance. He's close. He's near. It's time to repent. And really the word is, it's time to be repenting. We should never stop. Oh, I repented about 20 years ago and I've been good ever since. Eh, probably not. We could talk about it. I'd like to hear it if it's true. But it's not. We need to be repenting all the time. Uh, repenting, you break it up, it's re-re-what? Penting, re Penancing. I'm stating penance. I'm grieving over my sin, my, my lack of focus, my turning from God. So I need to repent over and over. Lord, I'm just not, oh, I, I, I'm just not as focused as I used to be. That first love just isn't there so much anymore. And I, I want it to be. I want to be so close to Jesus. I want it to just fill my life, but I get distracted. I've got all kinds of stuff going on and there's things in life. It, they just hurt or whatever the case might be. But you might find yourself this morning going, you know, this repenting thing might be good. It is good. And John just came in front of everybody, wasn't picking on just a few sinners. Everybody said, repent, be repenting for the kingdom of God is at hand. He uh, shared that message with a wide variety of people in his audience. Even Sadducees and Pharisees came to hear that message. And even they some of them, many of them took part in the baptism of repentance that John brought. We might be surprised by that. But repentance was embraced by a lot of people. It's time to be repenting. You've already blown it. It's too late to stay in the right or to claim a certain kind of righteousness that would have us avoid this. That ship has sailed. We're all in need of this. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. There is no one righteous. No, not one. And you know what? That's good news. It's good to know that. There's no uncertainty for me about this. I know where I'm at with the Lord. And I need to be repenting. And it's a privilege to be able to do so. And so we must repent, John says. God says. John's not there unless God tells him to. So this is a message for all of us from the Lord himself. Turn from your sin. 
Repent by changing your mind, changing your direction. Think differently. Know your guilt. Know your shame if it's there. Confess it. Turn from it. Part of knowing is changing our behavior. We can work on that, can't we? Changing our behavior to forsake the sin for which we are now forgiven. You're free from it. John came in the style of the Old Testament prophets, and really so must we today. It's the same message needed by the same kind of people. And so we come. But why? Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. It's close by. How close is it? (laughs) What does all that mean? This is really good news. And it's absolutely the best news possible if we understand what this kingdom is. And we can have some difficulty there. This kingdom which John introduces and talks about is the whole motivation for the call to repentance. It's coming. Be ready. Get ready. This kingdom has been drawing near and is now at hand. They've been waiting hundreds of years for this word. And here's this very odd character out in the wilderness saying it's here. This kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens, the heaven kingdom over which God alone rules, that sets it apart. Only God rules over this kingdom. You don't, I don't, we don't together, the church doesn't. This is God's kingdom. It's not a word we really use very much, is it? Not in our part of the world. But that doesn't make it less valid. This is how God describes his kingdom. It's a kingdom and he alone rules it. I'm not in charge. I got even better news. Neither are you. God is in charge of his kingdom. But this kingdom is not like earthly kingdoms. We quickly lose our way if we try to compare what God is offering to something that we have here on earth already. Well, he's just going to improve the kingdoms that are here. Not even close. Our kingdoms are just poor illustrations of his true kingdom. God makes his own kingdom. He makes it as he sees fit. And it is eternal. It is unchanging. We can count on it. And it is here. We make kingdoms which come and go. They rise and fall. They're led by leaders who maybe they're elected. Maybe we elect our kingdom leaders and however long the cycle lasts, they're gone. Four, eight, 20, whatever, years later. Depends on your system. That's not a kingdom. There are 
so-called kingdoms in this world. And some of them are led by leaders who are put there by the will of the people. Others are led uh, by leaders who are put there by right of family inheritance. And others are put in place military coup. And it's a takeover. All kinds of ways to become the head of a kingdom. And just about every despot that ever lived in our human history that said, this is now my kingdom and I'm going to rule forever. And they might last a couple years, maybe 10, maybe, maybe a lifetime, maybe 100 years, however long it is. It's just dust in the wind when compared to God's kingdom. Even whole empires are short-lived in the context of God's eternity. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. We need to get this. I think especially at Christmas, but it just needs to leak over into our lives and just be carried on. We're citizens of something really special if we are children of God this morning. Something that we need and something that is offered so freely. Listen, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of the heavens is here. It is here. It's hard for us to relate to this. We're so, maybe we're American, maybe we're Canadian. We are so Western. We just, we don't think about in the terms of kingdom talk. We can hardly grasp the majesty and the power and the place offered in this kingdom, which is right here and right now. And if we don't see it, if we're not experiencing it, we need to repent and turn back toward it. And it's offered to us freely. The invitation is open. We are accustomed to nations and presidents and prime ministers and even kings and queens. And the good news about all of those is that all of these all of them, even those who are hostile to God, are subservient to the plans of God. They're all subservient. They are servants of God's plans. That'll take a little more time. Maybe another day. The plans of God include his children, heirs to this kingdom, who are gifted and empowered by him to display his grace to all around them. He doesn't even call us servants, although we are. He calls us children, which means we can inherit. We get it. He's giving it to us. It's ours. What a gift. Awesome. And then he gifts us. He empowers us as his children, as his people, as the church in the world today to display his grace to all around us. We're to be carriers of this kingdom, proclaimers of it, and sharing it with all those around us. The kingdom is in us. It's in us for Christ is in us. That's how near it is. It's in us. So what should our response 
to this bold announcement of the prophet B, or any prophet who followed in his footsteps, verse 3 of our text today, provides an appropriate response. Prepare, make ready the way of the Lord. Clear the decks, remove all obstacles, allow his grace to flow into and through you. Forgiveness is at hand. Do you like some of that today? New life is found in him. He's near. He's here for exactly this, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. He's here to lift the burdens of the chains of sin. He's here to free us from the slavery of it. He's here to free us from the groaning of all creation. And all those temporary kingdoms are going to be silenced when his kingdom is fully in place. And what a glorious day that is going to be. It's here, it started already. It's at hand. It's in us. Are we missing it? We're not seeing it? Let's answer the call of the prophets and of John and of Jesus himself. Let us indeed make his paths straight. All right. So how do we do that? What do I do? If I agree, what do I do? What's the best way to get ready for the way of the Lord? To make straight paths for his entrance. Back to the beginning of the preacher's cry. Repent. That's where we start. Step number one. We have to begin there. Are you heading in the wrong direction? Are you losing focus once in a while? Or have you lost it completely? Is the kingdom not in you? Would you like it? This is where we begin. Each of us, all of us. Repent. Be repenting. And I'm going to ask that we do that now, this morning, even together as we prepare for our communion service this morning. I know that uh, here at Triumph we don't always share a group confession of sin. I'm going to invite you to do that today. It's a long time traditional part of liturgical services in many different areas and places. I know we pray through this from time to time, but I'm going to invite you to share in the verbal expression of a confession of sin. It'll be very familiar to many of you, maybe all of us. Now, if you've never done this before, if you've never been involved in a, what I'll call a corporate or a group confession, um, you might want to be a little cautious. You may not know the words, and uh, I'm cautious about that kind of thing. I don't often uh, take part even in a responsive reading where I'm unfamiliar with what I'm saying. So I'll try it out. I'll test it. I'll just watch. And if you want to just watch, uh, that's fine. But if you would join in with me in reading together and confessing sin together, if you want to just trust me, we could do this together. These are good words. And I think they're a good way to begin today 
a season of and a time, a spirit of repentance. So we're going to share in a confession of sin. Let's read together, even praying together. Almighty God, our Creator and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. Therefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy and ask you for Christ's sake to forgive us all our sins, for by your Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of your will, that by your grace we may walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Would you rise with me, stand with me, and we'll confess our faith as expressed in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> 